And Brenda is bringing the word tonight. Okay. I can hear myself, so I know that Conrad turned on my mic. Well, I didn't know I was bringing the word until today. But that's okay because, you know, the Lord tells us to be instant in season and out of season. But I will tell you what I did know is that last year when I was reading, doing my reading through the Bible for a year, I was reading the same one that the ladies are reading now. And I came to the book of Jonah. And we've all read the book of Jonah. We've all heard the story of Jonah many times. Well, this particular day... The Lord would not let me out of my office. And, I mean, I was in there for hours, as you can relate. And he, he gave me, he, he downloaded a word. He gave me a message, and I was writing and typing, and, and he would not let me out of my office until I was finished with the word, with this message. And, well, because, you know... Uh, campus director for LCU and I had my students and my teachers, I just assumed that the, the message was for our chapel service. You know, usually we have one of the students or teachers speak in the chapel so everybody gets a chance to exercise their gifts and everything. But I felt like maybe this was a word that the Lord was giving me for the, the chapel and I was okay with that. You know, I was anxious and ready and then when the pastor um, sent me a message that was around 6 o'clock this morning and asked me if I had a word. And I said, oh, I, well, to tell you the truth, I really would have kind of liked to have said no. You know what I mean? I think I've got to that place where I like being out there enough to where I like listening to what every... I like to watch my students grow. I like to watch my teachers grow. That's my gifting, is, is, is imparting into them. And so I like to see them flourish. So I like being on that side. And I also like being on that side when our pastor prepares this phenomenal meal and feeds us such awesome, awesome messages. But needless to say, this is where God wanted me tonight. And I'm thankful that each of you are here, and I'm thankful... For this opportunity. So first, I'm going to open in prayer. Lord God, I I truly am grateful for this opportunity where we can look into your word and we can hear from you. And Father, as the you version, uh, memory verse of the day is uh, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. So in Ennis, Pastor Jason often prays, Lord, let the words that I share be your words. Let them come from heaven to our hearts. Let them not be my words, Father God. I seek your anointing, your anointing on, on on this message that you've given me, and your anointing upon the hearts and the minds of the hearers. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So anyway, the name of my message is called Been There, Done That. 
Been there, done that. And usually we follow it up when they got a whole closet full of T-shirts to prove it. Well, I've been there and I've done that. And I'm going to do something that I probably would advise my students not to do. I'm going to preach the entire book of Jonah. And I'm going to do it in my time frame because they got a great big clock back there. You can't miss it. So I know when I have to stop. So anyway, the book of Jonah is only four chapters, and I've already listened to it three times today. So I know that we can get through this. Um, After listening to it three times today, I realize it's a book of mercy. And that's what I was hearing, and that's what was stirring me so as I was reading it and as I was studying it was the mercy of God. How many of you are grateful for the mercy of God? Amen? Amen. Where would we be without the mercy of God? So it's the book on mercy, but it's based on repentance. Mercy based on repentance. But the theme for the book of Jonah is God's compassion for everyone. So if you want to follow along, I'm, I'm going to teach this whole book, four chapters in approximately 30 minutes. So if you will open up your Bibles to the, to the book of Jonah, and that way you can kind of follow along because I don't have time to read them all, but, but you can follow the storyline with me, right? The book of Jonah is not about the big fish. It's not about the big fish that we read about in children's church, although it's a great story. It's a great illustration. We love telling it. But it's not, that's not the heart of the story. Jonah, he was a man running from the call of God. He was not running from God's wrath, but he was running from God's mercy. You know that Jonah is a believer. He's a prophet. He was called to the ministry in the 8th century B.C. So when we read the book of Jonah, when we see the life of Jonah, bear in mind he's a Christian. Not only is he a Christian, he's a man of God, a prophet, the voice of God to the people. And... We're going to take, and this is maybe why I thought it was for my students, we're going to take a candid look at the life of ministry. Because that's what we do at LCU is train teachers, preachers, missionaries. We teach, we train them how to serve the church, how to serve the lost, how to serve the world. So it may very well Challenge This message may very well challenge the way you see ministry. I hope it challenges the way you see God. It did for Jonah, which is the heart of this book. So point number one, as I know that all my homiletic students are making sure that I cover all the bases and I'm trying really hard here because our next one of our next classes coming up is homiletics and that's how to preach. So my first point is, what are you running away from? What are you 
running away from. Chapter 1 opens with the word of God to Jonah. Did you know that Jonah was the only prophet sent to preach to the Gentiles? And he didn't like it. He was he was Jewish. He was an Israeli and that's where he, that he was biased to his people. But the word of God came to Jonah. The very first verse. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, the word of God came to Jonah. The word of God comes to us. And when the word of God comes to us, it, it also, it gives each of us truth, direction, correction, and training for our life. Most of all, the word gives us a revelation of God. That's the greatest gift that we are going to get from the word of God. Why we need to get in the word and get the word in us. Because it gives us a greater revelation of God. A greater understanding, a greater comprehension of God. Of who God is. God is telling Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach against their wickedness. Right? I mean, a lot of this, I know you know this story. But I, 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 if you stick with me, I'm sure there's a couple little things here you probably hadn't, hadn't put together before. Jonah was called by God to walk into one of the most dangerous cities in the world and preach against people who were known and feared for their sadistic cruelty to outsiders. They were the most vicious, sadistic group of of people, the worst city, the worst king, the worst group of people known in the world. And here is Jonah being told by God to go and preach repentance to these people. They were most sadistic to outsiders. Put yourself in Jonah's shoes. Fleeing, however, is the opposite of following. Fleeing the call, fleeing the command, fleeing the direction, fleeing What the word of God tells you is the opposite of following. And let's look at verse 3 here. It says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So I'm just going to stop right there and say, Jonah ran away from the Lord. He didn't just run away from the Lord. I mean, he ran away from the will of God. He ran away from the plan of God. He ran away from the purpose of God. He ran away, not just physically did he run away from God. But he ran away from everything that God represented. Have you 
been there and done that. What if God's word reveals something about God that we don't like? What if he calls us to people we don't like? What if he tells us to witness to people we don't like? What if he calls us to love on people we don't like? What if he calls us to minister to people we don't like? Have you been there? What if we have mistaken God's perspective? The word of the Lord reveals who God is. Not always who we think he should be. Or who we think we would like him to be. Is that truth? So, our doctrine might be right, but our heart might be wrong. When we compare ourselves to Jonah, the Bible says Jonah went down to Tarshish. Well, at that time, where he was at, Tarshish was as far away from God and the will of God as humanly possible. Why did he run? It really wasn't fear of the enemy. Jonah ran from God's mercy. He doesn't he didn't want to see God forgive the Assyrians. When I I think about running as far away from God. I think of Adam and Eve in the in the garden. They hid themselves from the presence of God. Now here Jonah is running away from the presence of God. And we come in here and worship. And, and believe me, when I'm talking to you and I go like this, there's six more pointing back. Okay? This is a, a word which fits us all. You know? And I'm going to get very real and transparent here. Because I can because I'm not the pastor. And you don't have me on a pedestal. You know. But we tend to put our pastor on a pedestal. And expect him to be flawless. So it's hard for that. For our pastor to be real. To be transparent. To be vulnerable. But I can be. So I can tell you. I've been there and done that. Running away from the presence of God because the presence of God was convicting. Because the presence of God was uncomfortable. Because the presence of God was telling me stuff I didn't want to hear and I didn't want to do. The presence of God was not gratifying my flesh. Or so I thought. But, ooh, 
Sorry about that. God sent a huge storm. This is all, you know, that's a really short chapter. That first chapter, and a lot of stuff happens in it. But God sent a huge storm. If you have ever run away from God, then you know firsthand that there is only pleasure in sin for a season. God sent a huge storm. I can tell you the number of times that I've run away from God, or I've walked away from God, or I've stepped over the fence, or I've slid away from God, or whatever you want to call it. I, I, turned, I turned my back on God. And you know what he did? He sent a storm. Because he, isn't, he loves us too much to let us go too far, too long. He's going to let us come to the end of our leash. He's going to let us come to the end of ourself. And he does it every time. And the older you get, the more time it seems like you can remember that that has had to happen. That you have to come to the end of yourself. Been there, done that. It's not worth it. Oh, it's not worth it. He sent a huge storm. And Jonah found, whoo, there's only pleasure in sin for a season. It don't take long. It don't take long at all where it's not as much fun anymore. It doesn't feel the same. Those people that you were hanging around with, they, they, you're not getting the same vibes You're not enjoying their company the same anymore. The places you're going, the things you're doing, they're, they're, I mean, you're miserable. You're uncomfortable. You're convicted. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. And you can run, and you can run, and you can run. From God's will, from God's call, from God's plan. From God's purpose. But she sent a huge storm, right? Where did we find Jonah? If we keep on reading, Jonah was sleeping. Sound asleep. In the midst of the storm, he was sound asleep. He was not ready for life's lessons. He doesn't want to hear from God. His heart and his mind were still shut tight. He was refusing to hear. He had a spiritually hard heart. He's a Christian. He's a prophet. He's a man of God. But he had a spiritually hard heart. Because he only wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. Been there, done that. And didn't even know I was there at times. There were times I didn't even know I was in that condition. And I'm willing to get up here and tell you this because I love you. You know, because God loves you. And because I would do anything to keep you 
from going through that or experiencing the pain of it. The pain of, of the separation from God. Again, I ask you, have you been there and done that? Verse 9 reveals to us, in chapter 1, verse 9. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This is the man who's running away from God. Verse 9 reveals to us that Jonah knows better. But the pagans got the message. The unbelievers got the message. They saw, they knew, but Jonah did not get the message. If we, and and this kind of matches over what King David said in Psalm 139. If we look at Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. Remember, Jonah thinks he has gone as far away from God as he can get. He has run away as far as he could possibly go, fleeing the presence of God. But Psalm 139 tells us, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea... Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. I mean, those are words of comfort. Those are truly words of comfort. But it's also words of reminding us nothing is hidden from God. Nothing is hidden from God. So others even realized that Jonah was running away from God. Jonah, he acknowledged at this point, Jonah acknowledged and he confessed that he was not getting away with his disobedience. This is a time when I I said that, you know, like we're we're finding, uh, we're not finding the same pleasure in your sin that we were originally experiencing. God is doing his part to draw us home, the prodigal. How many of you can relate with the prodigal story? You know, I mean, at one point or another, I think I've been every single one of them. The prodigal, the, the prodigal's brother, and the, prodig- and the father. Okay? I've, I've stepped into every single one of those roles. I can relate. Prayers of others had covered Jonah, you can be sure of that, when he wasn't even praying for himself. Has this ever happened in your life? When you knew other people's prayers were covering you, that's what was working. You cannot resist the prayers. And, and you know, that's what on Monday nights when we come here for intercessory prayer. We have made a commitment to covering this church and covering our families and covering our children and covering your children and calling them in. And they can't escape and they can't get away from the spirit of God and from intercessory prayer. They can't. 
You know, and that's what we're talking about here. Jonah couldn't get away. He thought he could, but he couldn't. God already had an answer and a solution in response to the prayer. He already was, he'd already taken care of it. What was it that made Jonah's heart so hardened against God? Why did he run? Have you ever turned away? Walked away? Ran away from God? What were you running from? There's a life lesson here. We all know it. We all know it. We all know it here. We got to really know it in here. I know this sounds like elementary stuff that I'm sharing here. But we go through it time and time again. If it's elementary, how come we have to keep on going through the same thing over and over and over and over again? Yes? So the life lesson is that you can't outrun God. Okay? Point number two. And the rest of my points aren't, aren't as long. Okay? I've just had to drive home, drive home number one. Point number two is, have you ever hit rock bottom? From the belly of a big fish. After three days and nights... Jonah finally prayed to God. You know, it tells us if we look back in Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, before we go into chapter 2, it's, this, it's, it's where Jonah's prayer starts. And it says in verse 17, now the Lord had prepared, and I'm reading, this is the New King James, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And I believe, I don't know if it's the NIV or the NLT said the Lord provided a big fish. Either way, the Lord prepared the fish. Okay? The Lord prepared our fish. We may have been doing some running. We may have come up against a storm. And the Lord prepared the fish that swallowed Jonah. I praise the Lord he prepared the fish that swallowed Brenda. Amen? So the Lord prepared the fish. Can God provide a fish with air that would swallow a man for three days? I mean, there's different... Um, Bible teachers who believe that this is an allegory. And there's a solid Bible teachers. They believe either this was an allegory or it was a myth or it was a parable. Or is it a narrative of actual happenings? Look, I don't know enough to tell you which one it is. I tend to lean towards actual happenings because I believe in a miracle working God. Okay? And this was a miracle. You know, this was a miracle. And, and, I, and as I was studying all of this, you know, it, it talked about 
scientific miracles. Scientific miracles. Did you know that this, I thought this was pretty cool, that they have, it wasn't until the 1990s that this like iridescent octopus was, you might know this, Rich, but he knows a lot of good details. But anyway, this iridescent octopus could, could morph itself into like 15 different separate sea creatures. And because it had the, the ability to, or the capacity to do this, I mean, color, texture, you know, iridescent, everything, it could morph itself. It's called, it's called the mimic octopus. And because it could do this, they never, they never discovered it. They never discovered this octopus, the mimic octopus, until the 1990s. So if there's an octopus out there that can morph itself into 15 different sea creatures, my God can create a fish to swallow a man. All right? And and if you read the scripture, it wasn't a great big fish where he was strutting around in there and had all kinds of room like we see in the movies. It wasn't it. He, He was scrunched down, uncomfortable, seaweed wrapped around his head. He was not happy. Okay? He was not happy where he was at. You know, another reason that I think this this could be an actual narrative is Jesus referred to it in his parables. And when he said three days that he would be dead in the earth, he, he used it as an illustration. So... This is one of the one of the reasons why I actually believe that this was, you know, a narrative of actual happenings. So before I move on, I want to flip us over back to and answer the question, can God provide a fish? Can God provide a fish? Go back to Psalm 139 and we look at where Jonah is at. This all of chapter two is Jonah's prayer. Jonah is he's in this dead fish, he's all wrapped up in seaweed, and it, he's God has attention has his attention. Has God ever gotten your attention? Has he ever had to get your attention? I mean, I'm not seeing too many I and I realize and it's okay and you don't have to. Because God knows. You know what I mean? So, but Psalm 139, 23 and 24, this is what David was praying in this type of a situation. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You see, Jonah was dead in the belly of a fish for three days. Jonah went down to Joppa. Jonah went down to the ship. Jonah went down below deck. He started the downward spiral. 
And God, he came along and he saw Jonah's condition and, you know, he just skipped the spiral, the spiral and he just took Jonah to rock bottom. Here in the deep, Jonah finally calls for help. And God listens. Have you ever been there and done that? When I was reading this again today, and I read that, and I came to that part. You know, there's a couple of, two, three times in, the, in the, those four chapters that Jonah just wants to die. You know, he just wanted to die. We read about several different Bible characters that just come to the place where they think they just want to die. I've been there. There's been times in my life where I really just wanted to die. I just wanted to die. And if I didn't, at the time, hadn't had a a little girl who was dependent on me, I might have done something about it. Because I was that hurt, that broken. I wanted to die. And you know what I did? I ran away from God again. I ran from God. Jonah states, you know, as we as we read on here in chapter 2 that he was banished from from God, but he wasn't. He wasn't banished. He chose to run away. He says he was cast out of God's sight. He wasn't. Jonah said that, but it wasn't the truth. But that's what Jonah perceived. That's what Jonah was believing at the time. Jonah, he had mistaken God's perspective. Jonah And you know what the worst part of it was here? And this is a a hit-at-home point. Jonah did not take responsibility for his own actions. Ouch. 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 Big ouch in capital letters. Ouch. Jonah did not take responsibility for his actions. And that's so often our problem. And you know, our pastor, when he preaches, he preaches such... His messages are so filled with love and encouragement. He's such a good spiritual father. And I'm so thankful for him. I don't know if he would ever preach something like this to you guys. But God didn't give this to him. He gave it to me to share. And I'm telling you in love. This is, I'm sharing it in love with all the love that I can, that's in my heart. I'm sharing this in love. I, that I've been there. This man was a Christian. There's, I was a, there were times when I too thought I was living right. I was going to church. I thought I was going through all the motions. I was, you know, doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. 
But as soon as a test or a trial or a hard time came up in my life, I didn't know how to handle it. I would run and I would blame it on somebody else. And, you know, I've watched people in this church that come up against a hard time and have handled it so beautifully. And how I look at them and admire them. Miss Kim, I admire you. Lapita, I admire her. When the trials, that the, the, some of the strong, the hardest tests in our life that we can go through and to just walk straight with God and not give up and not walk away and not run away, you know? But we need to make sure, make sure that our heart is clean and pure and open and transparent. Anyway, I need to get going here. Jonah had mistaken God's perspective. He did not take responsibility for his own actions. Still, his prayer was heartfelt. His prayer. Have you ever been there? Where your prayer was heartfelt but you really weren't taking responsibility for your own actions. And you knew it. I know that I have. I was immature. I was broken. I was hurting. But I didn't know how to climb out of the pit that I found myself in. I lovingly ask you, have you been there? Or maybe you may even find yourself there now when Jonah could not rise his prayer did I when I was there I was big on blaming others and not taking responsibility of just to be Christ like Amen. But Jonah's prayer in two, chapter uh, chapter two, verse seven. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. When Jonah couldn't rise, his prayer did. Our prayers on Monday night are reaching the throne of God. So point three is God gives second, third, fourth, etc. chances. And you know what? He also gave those second and third and fourth chances, not just for the Ninevites, but for Jonah. For all the Jonas, for us. He's given me second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, you know. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Because you know something, the older I get, and I'm getting older, I've made it to the great-grandmother stage, okay? I'm getting older. But I want to tell you that the older that I get, the more looking back, I, I, the woulda, shoulda, couldas. The woulda, shoulda, couldas. 
I wish I'd done this different. I wish I'd done that different. I wish I hadn't done this. I wish I had done that. I wish I could go back. You know, there's a lot of that there. Because of the wrong choices I made. I'd like to go back and make that choice again. I'd like to go back and make that choice again. I'd like to go back. I have so many years of I wish I could go back and make different choices. Would my life look different? Would my life be different? But let me tell you something. God said, if you had it to do over again, you'd probably do the same thing all over again, Brenda. (laughs) And you know what else he said? He's given me beauty for my ashes. I would have never expected to have my doctorate in theology. Never would have expected to, you know, start a Bible college. Never would have expected to have been a pastor. Never, never. And nobody who knew me would have believed it either. But God, when I came to the end of me and stopped and trying to do it my way, and, and believe me, I still, there's still a tug of war. There's, my husband will attest. I, I have not arrived. So the Lord spoke to the fish. The Lord spoke to the fish. God had it under control the whole time. has it under control. Why do we have such a hard time believing that? Agreeing with that. Lining up with that. So the Lord spoke to the fish and the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. Land, sunshine, life again. What are you going to do with it? A new beginning, a fresh start. We have more in common with Jonah here than we realize. Paul reminds us in Ephesians that we were dead and God brought us back. He saved us from the pit of sin and he brought us back to life. What are you going to do with the life God gave you? God uses Jonah despite himself, in spite of himself. God used, do you know, I mean, I had this written down here that, where I said that the Lord uh, gives second, third, and fourth chances for Jonah, that Jonah's disobedience did not disqualify him for service to God. Boy, am I thankful for that. Because if it did, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to sweep the carpet in the church. I wouldn't be able to clean the toilets in the church. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to rake the leaves in the yard. I wouldn't be able. There's nothing I would be allowed to do in the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
whatever we consider whatever we consider menial, you know, God doesn't. Okay? So he gives us, Paul reminded us that God gave us new life, right? God uses Jonah, but this time Jonah obeyed. The city of Nineveh repented, and God showed mercy. My question is, can a person change? Can you or I truly become different, improved? Do you ever get tired of making the same mistakes? Do you make the same mistakes? I did. That was my problem. I kept making the same mistakes over and over and over again. I really learned how to do it wrong. It is the living word of God that makes us new. It's good news. Good news. People do change. We're born again. We're new creations in Christ. We are new creatures. That's why God could show mercy to the Ninevites. That's why God can show mercy to us. Because people, God really does change us. If we let him. If we trust him. So what happens to the person who hears the word, hardens their hearts, and refuses to change? God will take us right back where we started. I know you must be tired of hearing this, but I keep hearing the Holy Spirit say, Do you remember when you were there? Have you been there? Chapter 3, verse 1 is the same as chapter 1, verse 1. The word of God does not change. As I tell my students, you can take the same test. Or like God, for example, he lets us take the same test over and over again until we pass it. Don't you get tired of taking the same test over and over and over and over again? But God is merciful. So he'll let you keep taking that same test until you pass it. And then a self-examination test is one test that no Christian is ever excused from. The word of God does not change. In fact, in Romans, we read that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They do not change. He who began a good work in you will complete it. So the heart of the story is the word of the Lord. Remember, God's word gives us truth, gives us direction and correction. And above all, it gives us the revelation of who God is. If anything can truly alter or change a person, it's the word of the Lord. Jonah obeyed. So Jonah obeyed. He goes 200 miles to this large city. This city was Three days, it tells us in scripture there, it's three days across the city. So Jonah, he goes a day's journey in. If we look here, and um, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. He it said it's a three days journey in extent. And then verse, um, 
verse 4, here's his sermon. And I have written in my Bible, terrible sermon. It says, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. 40 days, 40 days. 40 days represent in the Bible testing and trials. 40 days in the ark, 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus um, fasted for 40 days. So 40 days in this city, apparently they believed him, didn't they? So he went all the way through the city preaching this message. And you know what? The Ninevites believed God. Change begins when a person believes God. Hear the word. Believe God. Verse 5 and 6, chapter 3. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the garment, from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. Listen to this. This is the most vicious king in the world. He changed two things right there. He changed his position. He removed himself from the throne. He changed his royal robe. He put on sackcloth, right? And he sat in ashes. So the the illustration is that we get off our throne and repent. Humble ourselves of pride, just like the king of Nineveh. We need to sit down in the dirt from which we came, just like the king. Spiritually, I'm speaking, okay? I'm not... I hope that you don't think that that this is a beat-you-up message. This is not what it's meant to be, okay? The difference in... Me and the dirt, the difference in you and the dirt is what God can do, is what God did in you, right? The people of Nineveh cried mightily to God. Do you know what it means to urgently call God? Not when you urgently need him that you give him a call, but to urgently call. Urgently call on God means true repentance. God doesn't change who he is, but he does change direction. Salvation is as close as a prayer. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then we, we, what is the true condition? That's my last point, and uh, coming into conclusion, what is the true condition of your heart? Because that's what this message was about. Jonah obeyed, but did it get to his heart? Do you know friends and loved ones who claim salvation and repentance, but there's little or no evidence of sanctification? They don't appear to be set apart unto God. They don't appear... To be living a a life set apart unto God? How about you? Have you been there and done that? Was there a time when the fruit on your tree did not look very sanctified? See, this pious prophet, he wants justice and not grace. As we look in, in, Jonah was displeased exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and he said, and he's, he's 
angry with God. He's, he's angry with God. Then he's, he's resentful. He's angry with God. He's angry at the circumstances he finds himself in. This is also a very low and painful place to find yourself. I promise you, these are all places we can visit. And you, you might even be recalling them to your remembrance, having been in these places at one time or another. I've been to all of these awful places. And I'm here with this kind of a sermon, kind of a message. To, to, so you, hopefully, if you haven't been there, won't go there. Or if you are there, we'll make a U-turn. Whatever. Or if you're, or if you're getting off course, whatever it is. You don't want to go there. This is a painful place. When we're, when we're saying to us, what about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? Or, why God? Why? Why? Why God? Why? God relents when we repent. Then the Lord asked Jonah if he had any right to be angry. We read in the book of James that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Jonah goes to the east side of the city and he made himself, we're coming to the end of chapter 4 here. And Jonah, he makes himself a viewing area where he might see the city. Does he still believe that he could see the wrath of God on this repenting city or was he sulking? God still showed love And mercy to Jonah. God provided Jonah with deliverance from his misery. How did he do that? Well, God grew up a leafy plant over his head to give him shelter from the sun. And, And Jonah, he was very grateful. God is making an illustrated point, teaching Jonah and us that he is God. That we are not, right? He's our our provider, our protector. He's in control. What happens? The plant withers. Jonah's angry with God again. Jonah is again done with life. He wants to die again. Chapter 4, verse 8 says, And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Notice the phrase God provided. God provided the big fish. God provided the storm. God provided the plant. God provided the worm. God provided the scorching heat and the wind. God wants his people to learn compassion. Jonah's story ends there. Did he, did he listen? Did he learn compassion? We don't know. Our story is still being lived out. Will we learn? What are we running away from? Have you ever hit rock bottom? Have you experienced God's second, third, fourth chances? Most importantly, what is the true condition of your heart? For God so loved 
the world. One of our students was just preaching in the chapel and he said it and that's just the way he said it. God so loved the world. Conclusion would be looking at verse 11. God is saying, and should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120 thousand persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock conclusion to my message would be let your faith in who God is transform who you are pray ask God to conform you to his image. Respond to God's instructions with a willing heart. Be willing to change. By faith, receive the Lord's instructions and allow it to change the way you think, feel, and believe. Be honest with yourself be honest with yourself be honest with God be real God can change a person and he's not done changing you it is for us to know him and make him known And if we were in chapel at this time, I would probably uh, ask for prayer, ask if there's anyone that needs prayer. But I've kept you too long. I can see my clock. I thank you for this time. I, um, I just encourage you. To just be real with God. Be real with God. Be real with one another. Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you again. For this word. And Lord, I just pray that you'll translate it into a language that each heart hears receives and understands that it will be a source of encouragement and strength and direction empowerment oh Lord that you will be glorified and your will would be done and I thank you for it in Jesus name Amen